All right, welcome to episode 67 of the Hot Grits Podcast. I'm Travis Jadon, riding solo today. We'll have Mike Anthony on the second half to talk a little baseball, unwritten rules, and some PGA Championship discussion, but just me on the front half. Uh, Before we get started on 67, where we'll talk about the Braves, the Hawks, NBA playoffs, and a lot more, some local stuff to cover as well. I want to tell you guys about Coach's Corner in Savannah, our title sponsor. 912-352-2933. Find them at 3016 East Victory Drive, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This week, Thursday night, uh, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock at Coach's Corner, they'll be streaming the Benedictine Baseball State Championship Series, uh, which is taking place in Gwinnett. So if you want to watch Carter Holton, who we've talked about on this podcast a bunch of times, going to be a high draft pick in the summer MLB draft, you want to watch him pitch, this is your last shot to watch him pitch. Go to Coach's Corner, get there early, 5 o'clock first pitch for game one in the best of three series with BC. Thursday night at Coach's Corner, uh, they will have the game Friday if it should go to a game three. They will also have that streaming as well at Coach's Corner. So go see John Henderson and those guys. Um, check out Carl Tomasi and the AD, co- the coach in the AD. On YouTube, as well as Rubbin and Grubbin, Brandon Bain on Wednesday nights. Go subscribe to Rubbin and Grubbin on YouTube as well. Um, And without further ado, we will get started. Episode 67 of the Hot Grits Podcast. Here's some camouflage. My name is Van Johnson. I'm 67, native of the city of Savannah. I'm pro go Let's go. That's all we needed. Welcome in episode 67 of the Hot Crits Podcast. This is Travis Jadon. I'm recording solo on May 19th, Wednesday, May 19th for you guys. Uh, welcome into a 67th edition of the Hot Crits Podcast. And we're going to start right away with some negative. We're going to start with the Braves who have been awful. The Braves stink right now. They stink. And it doesn't look like it's getting any better. Uh, We can kind of phrase it however we want, but they're bad right now. They are real bad right now. Four games back in the NL East, not too bad, but they're playing bad against the East. They're playing bad against the American League, in which they're 1-7 in versus the American League. Overall, they have a minus 18 run differential, which is brutal. They're 0-8 when tied after 8. Think about that. The Braves are 0 and 8 when tied after 8 this year. They were 21 and 11 in such situations in the 3 seasons prior. Now they haven't won a game in which they've been tied after 8. They're 1 and 4 in extra innings and only 10 and 11 versus the NL East. Uh, also a little note that I found cool uh, not cool if you're a Braves fan. They're only 5 and 10 in day games, so we need more night games. If you're a Braves fan, for sure. The problem with me, and I said this last time, I think, when I was solo, and I've said it pretty much all year when we were talking about the Braves, Dansby Swanson is in a world of trouble right now. I don't know what the Braves are going to do about their shortstop, but I know this. The free agency class coming up for shortstops in Major League Baseball is stacked. Dansby Swanson is on a one-year deal right now. He's not signed for next year for the Braves. And if you're the Braves, you have to really start considering now, what is your long-term option at shortstop? If you, do, if you go with Swanson, 
you're going to have to forego all of these guys that are available this offseason. Guys like Javi Baez, guys like Trevor Story, Carlos Correa, Corey Seager. These are all premium shortstops that are going to be available this offseason as free agents. Right now, your shortstop, Dansby Swanson, not doing so hot. And by not doing so hot, I mean 201 with 54 strikeouts. Dansby Swanson is on pace to have 208 strikeouts this year. That is troubling, to say the least. So for me, the Braves have got to figure out what they're going to do with this guy because he's continuing to bat sixth, sometimes seventh, depending on where Contreras is. Um, and, and they can't afford to run out a shortstop that's hitting 200 every night. And he's striking out far, far too often. I don't know what it is about the Braves hitting this year, but I think one thing could be, one thing could be that there are a lot of voices coming to the Braves batters as far as coaching goes. I'm not blaming it on Kevin Seitzer, the hitting coach, Chipper Jones, the assistant hitting coach or kind of roaming hitting coach that comes in every now and then. But there are multiple voices on the hitting side for the Braves, and it doesn't seem to be working. Here's what Chipper Jones said about, listen to what Chipper Jones said about Dansby Swanson, and you tell me if you accept this. Quote, he looks great in the cage, and he's taken some great BP the last couple of days. But he needs to flush all that once the game comes and just go out and hit. See the pitch, react to it, and hit it when you're supposed to. Good things will happen. So there you have it. Uh, Chipper Jones saying Dansby Swanson looks great in the cage. Who cares? Who cares what Dansby Swanson looks like in a cage? You know what I mean? Like, why on earth do we care what he looks like in the cage? I don't think anyone cares what he looks like in the box. They want the stats to be better than 200 with 54 punchies. That's the problem. That's the problem right there. See the ball, hit the ball. I guess that's easier said than done. Swanson hasn't made it look easy at all. And so, you know, all the talk around the Braves with the relievers, I mean, they're not great either. Mike Soroka obviously is gone for the year and doesn't look like an option in their rotation moving forward. Shane Green's still not up. Chris Martin's back. He's thrown like four innings total this year, though. Um, the bullpen is not great, and, and I don't know that we expected it to be great. But the fact of the matter is we expected Dansby Swanson to be the Braves' everyday shortstop from here until at least the foreseeable future. Every night that he goes out and has a one for four with three Ks is another night where Bra the Braves' brass is going to have to start considering what is the future for the Braves at that position. You got to have an everyday shortstop that's better than 200. Forget about defense. Forget about what he does off the theater in the clubhouse. He's got to be better, and if he's not, the Braves have got to move on and figure out what they're going to do long term. That's all I got on the Braves. All right, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk a little local sports, um, including BC baseball in the state title game, but also some stuff uh, at Savannah Christian and Savannah Country Day. We'll be right back. The Hot Grits Podcast is sponsored by Bewley Oaks Home Improvement. Bewley Oaks Home Improvement in Savannah. B-E-A-U-L-I-E-U. -E 
Call Tony today for any kind of home improvement work you might need, whether it's inside the house or outside the house, whether it's in the kitchen, the bathrooms, the floors, the roofs, anything you may need. Tony has got you. 912-667-5235. That's 912-667-5235. You'll ask for Tony, tell him what you need done, and tell him the Hot Grits podcast sent you. Prep Sports Report has been delivering local sports news one way or another for 20 plus years. Where can you find stories and information about the most outstanding student athletes in the Savannah area? PrepSportsReport.com. That's where. Led by our guy Carl DeMossi and former area sports reporter Stephen Weeks, the Prep Sports Report is a reimagined website that wants to celebrate young men and women who are setting the high school sports standard in Savannah and surrounding areas. Go check out PrepSportsReport.com today. Go like Prep Sports Report on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at PrepSAV. PrepSportsReport.com, your number one source for local Savannah High School sports news. All right, welcome back. Travis Radon still rolling here. 67th episode of the Hot Grits Podcast. Uh, let's get a little local. Let's talk some local Savannah sports since this is a Savannah sports podcast. Um, Savannah Christian football made a hire today as I record this Wednesday afternoon that I think a lot of people listening to this will know who it is. Keith Brooking, the former linebacker for the Atlanta Falcons, six-time pro bowler, has signed on to be the Savannah Christian Raider linebackers coach. Now, Brooking was already coaching uh, at the high school level, but I from what I've gathered and from what I know, Brooking and his family love the Savannah area and they love kind of the coastal area. So they were going, they were trying at least to move somewhere in this general area. Um, and I think they found Savannah Christian and they found a job for Brooking who doesn't need to work. Uh, obvi- obviously after being a six time pro bowler in the NFL, but they're going to move down here and Brooking will be the linebackers coach at Savannah Christian. I thought, that was really, really cool. So props to Baker Woodward, Jason Cheatham, uh, who is a listener of the podcast. Um, those guys got a good thing going over there at Savannah Christian and adding a former NFL linebacker to be your linebackers coach. Imagine that brooking, uh, you know, in defensive meetings for the Savannah Christian Raiders, uh, he will be taking his cues from the defensive coordinator because he, he's not even the defensive coordinator. He's a linebackers coach. That's a hell of a staff already. Um, and Savannah Christian people around Savannah will know that that program doesn't lose very often. Um, they tend to reload instead of rebuild. And now they're doing it on the coaching side. They have a lot of young talent coming up. And if they can replace Spencer Robichaux at quarterback, they should be a threat to be a final four team in class A this year in high school football. Um, other high school football news, just as a personal note, um, my alma mater, Savannah Country Day, has an absolute mess on its hands with its athletic program. It's a mess. Now, I don't know if anyone listening to this cares about Savannah Country Day football, certainly not as much as I do, but I'm going to tell you a few things that I know um, that are concerning to say the least. So while Savannah Christian is hiring former NFL linebackers to be on their coaching staff, Savannah Country Day is about to have its fourth head coach 
in football since 2018, since the spring of 2018. So in three years, they've had four coaches, three for now, three coaches for now, but they're about to hire their fourth. And I'll tell you why. Dennis Coyle was let go, fired in May of 2018 after 10 years of coaching, after 10 years of coaching at Country Day. In May of 2018, that same day, they hired Jim Collis, who coaches for two years, 2019 and 2020. In January of this year, 2021, Collis steps down as the head coach and becomes the athletic director at Country Day. That same day, Collis names assistant, his assistant for the previous two years, Tyler Ward, as his head coach. January 2021. By April of 2021, last month, Tyler Ward was not the head coach of Country Day anymore. Before he ever even coached a game, he's out at Country Day and Country Day, according to them, according to the administration there, Ward resigned uh, in order to be closer to his wife or to try to find a job closer to where his wife was living in Birmingham, Alabama. Now, I've asked Country Day's brass about this situation, and I have yet to talk to Coach Ward, but I plan on doing that. Um, So all of this is from Country Day's angle and from their side. It's remarkable to me that twice now they have fired or lost their head football coach the same day that they make a hire. So in other words, they're making plans to hire a coach or to have a replacement coach prior to even announcing that the current coach is no longer the coach. That's Bush League. That's Mickey Mouse. You fire a coach, you announce it, and then you have the search. You have the interviews. You involve alumni. You're open about it. You're transparent about it. You tell people that there's an opening. Most people that follow high school sports in Savannah have no clue that Tyler Ward is not the head coach anymore. That's a problem. That's a problem. You have to announce that you have a job opening so it's not done behind closed doors and we get a press release announcing the new head coach. If you're wondering why alumni and boosters of Country Day are confused and have no clue as to what's going on with that athletic department anymore, it's because the Country Day athletic department doesn't tell anyone what's going on. And they like it that way. They're alienating most of the alumni as is because most of the alumni has no clue who most of the coaches are because they're not there long enough. It happened in baseball, basketball, football, volleyball. It's happened a bunch. I think there's like three athletic directors right now at Country Day. It is an absolute mess. Um, I've heard from multiple people that Jason Cameron, the former Jenkins head coach, now at Vidalia, was interviewed. I don't know if he was offered, but he won't be the next head coach. Uh, The same was true for Calvary offensive coordinator Wayne Brantley. I've heard that he was interviewed. Uh, The school says that they will continue interviewing people and that the interview process with headmaster Kef Wilson and uh, athletic director Jim Collis is moving forward. They're interviewing people and they are confident the school says that they'll have a coach by the end of the month. But, you know, as my alma mater is certainly disappointing to see the way that a lot of this is going down. And I hope I hope that a lot of the rumors of what's been going on over there are just that, only rumors. Um, So keep an eye on that.
unless you guys want me to keep talking about high school football, I'll, I'll continue to move on because I'm sure that most of you probably have fast-forwarded through my rant about my alma mater. Uh, a couple more local things uh, to get to, and then we will wrap up and get you guys to my conversation with Mike Anthony. Um, have you heard about this McDonald's strike? The McDonald's workers are striking uh, across the country for $15 minimum wage. To be clear, I want to be clear about this so there's no uh, confusion. I'm pro-McDonald's worker on this one. I'm pro-McDonald's worker on this one because if you try to go to a McDonald's right now, you're going to wait in line forever. And you probably can't even get inside because they just close all the lobbies around Savannah because there's not enough employees because they're not paying you. So I'm pro-McDonald's worker on that one. Uh, and I'll say it to anyone that listens. Also, last week we talked about Spencer's playoff matchup or championship matchup in the fantasy basketball playoffs. He was the favorite. He had a stacked team all year, um, and he lost. He lost to our good buddy Larry, hashtag Larry forever. So Spencer, after all that work, after all that shit talking, loses and comes in second. Just like his poker game, he's aiming for top threes, and I guess he got it. So congrats to Larry for winning that, and congrats to me for winning Connect Savannah's 2021 local Twitter account of the year. That's right, boys and girls. At Jadon Sports is the number one Twitter account in all of Savannah. Give yourself a round of applause, Travis. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, worked hard. Worked hard all year for this award. I would say behind a Pulitzer, behind the Pulitzer Prize, this is, that was my number one goal, was Connect Savannah's 2021 account of the year. And uh, I'm proud of it. Got a little plaque, got a little certificate, um, and got a little open bar action too, which was nice. So thanks to Connect Savannah for that. Um, all right, I think that's it for me. We will wrap up now and get you guys over to my interview with Mike Anthony. We'll talk baseball with Mike Anthony as well as the PGA Championship. Uh, Hawks start with the Knicks Sunday night. Hopefully, hopefully for Atlanta's sake, the Hawks can do a little better against New York than the Braves are doing against New York, the Metropolitans. Braves will try to avoid a sweep at the hands of the Mets uh, tonight, I guess, or yesterday, if you're listening to this on Thursday. Um, all right, we'll see you guys for episode 68. Stay tuned now for my interview with Mike Anthony, and be sure to follow, like, subscribe, follow, like, subscribe. You can find Spencer at SpencerMaddox underscore on Twitter, uh, you can find me at Jadon Sports, award-winning. You can also find the show at Podcast Grits and The Hot Grits on Instagram. And I uh, wanted to close um, one more thing. As I'm recording this today, May 19th is the anniversary of the murder of Camouflage, the Savannah rapper, the Savannah legend uh, in 2003, was murdered uh, basically cold in the streets, still not solved. Still not solved who murdered Camouflage, which is uncalled for and really not altogether surprising. So rest in peace to Flage, our namesake. Um, all right, let's do it. 68 next week with Spencer back and Mike Anthony now on baseball and the PGA Championship. All right, welcoming on Mike Anthony now to talk a little baseball, hardball Mikey. Uh, plenty of stuff to talk about when it comes to baseball outside of the Braves, including some unwritten rules um, and Mike's 
opinion that differs slightly from mine uh, with Ronald Acuna being Acuna being hit by a pitch uh, by his beloved Phillies last week. So we'll d- dive into all of that um, and maybe some other stuff that comes up. Mikey, how you living? Uh, living great. How about you? Uh, I'm out here, man. I'm out here solo. Uh, Spencer is getting ready for a trip to Dallas. He's a big time guy. He's a big time vacation just- guy. He is just jet set, isn't he? He he lives the life, man. He really does live he, a cush life. It's a step up from what was it? The circus the last time I was on. I think I believe it was the fair, but the circus. Yeah, I mean this guy. This guy does a lot of crazy things, bro. He goes to Dallas. He goes to fairs. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, it's pretty nuts. So it's just me and you, Mike. Well, glad to be here. All right, uh, let's jump right into it. You want to start with Acuna getting hit by the pitch last week. Or do you want to start with Tony LaRusso's unwritten rules? Um, let's go with LaRusso because I could go for he's got three decades worth of uh, uh, experience I can draw on to, to ran on about him. All right. Yerman Mercedes, the catcher for the White Sox, just catching people up here, um, takes a home run swing when the White Sox are up. 15, some of this might not be exact when the White Sox are up 15 to three and he takes a three zero pitch. Basically, seven hundred feet uh, from, out, from out of the ball from a position player, which which is relevant, I believe. Okay, so but the fallout from it, the fallout from all of this has been basically Tony Larusa, the manager of the White Sox, not at all sticking up for his players, but instead sticking up for those damned unwritten rules of baseball. This unwritten rule, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe is if you're up by a lot, you don't swing at a 3-0 pitch. That's just generally the unwritten rule that we're referring to here. Is that you agree with that? Yeah, correct. That okay. is the uh that, that's the infraction that he, he's got a problem with. Okay, so Larusa basically says if you need more runs, swing whenever. If you don't need more runs, don't swing at a 3-0 pitch. Uh especially I guess with a pos- a position player on the mound, which you could argue either way on that one. But here's the thing. Mercedes plays for Larusa LaRusa is saying in the press that he doesn't agree with what his guy did and he called it Bush League. What say you, hmm. Mike? Was it was it breaking an unwritten rule? I mean, I would say <laughs> or, I really or generally hate, whose side are you on? Yeah, I hate to agree with Tony LaRusa. I will to a point that with the exact situation of what went down and how it went down, I would agree. You've got one of your stars at that in a game that you're running away with swinging at a 3-0 pitch with a position player on the mound the twins have given up they're just trying to go home no one's trying to get hurt you've got the game in hand and he kind of i mean you can't say showboats because no one knows they're going to hit a home run but you went for an upper tank swing on a 3-0 count yeah that's kind of just trying to pad your own stats it's a little bit uh rubbing it in but at the same time, if you're the manager of that team, you don't say anything about it. Right. If anyone asks you about it, you say, well, it was a good swing. And, you know, we played the game. We've got 27 outs. And what am I going to do? Tell him to get himself out? All right, let That's me- what you say if you're Tony LaRusso. Now, you might have a different conversation with Mercedes in your office. Right. But you don't do it in front of the press. All right. Let me work in this quote real quick from LaRusso, and then uh, you can get back at it. Quote, I heard he said something like, I play my game. Talking about Mercedes here. I heard he said something like, I play my game. No, he doesn't. He plays the game of Major League Baseball. Respect the game. Respect the opponents. End quote. What say you, Mikey? 
I mean, I had a little trouble hearing that all the way from 1957. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, Tony La Russa could not be in a worse spot. He has the benefit of managing one of the youngest, most talented, the most be- exciting, the best team and in most the American exuberant League. teams in all of baseball. Uh, I believe uh, the, the White Sox were my pick to make it out of the AL on your show. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so far, they're looking pretty good in that regard. Best in the AL. They might have the worst manager to try to cope with the guys on this team. Like, can you imagine what would Tony LaRusso have done if he would have been the manager for that Tim Anderson uh, bat flip walk off from a couple of years ago? You remember the one I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, I think he would have Just probably had a heart attack. Ball he threw into the dugout. <laughs> yeah, like LaRusso might have come out and fought his own player. Like, I he just. You know, I have a lot of respect for the elders in baseball, but even the old school guys have shown a modicum of ability to adjust to newer trends in the game. And Tony La Russa ain't that guy. No, he's not. He never has been. The White Sox are winning with the best record in the American League despite Tony La Russa, not because of Tony La Russa. I think most people would agree generally on that point. But to to like go, kind of go a little further here, Mike, or go a little more you know outside the box the unwritten rules in general are under attack in baseball and there is a a clear clear trend towards basically saying fuck the unwritten rules forget them who cares this is a new age and i'm good with that but what i'm not good like the 3-0 stuff i'm good with that rule like don't i I don't think mercedes should have swung at 3-0 against a position player you know, up by a hundred. I don't think you should bunt to break up a no hitter. I don't, there's certain things like that, that I, I agree with. I have a problem with the bat flips in, in a mid May game where you won three, two, and you've only played 30 games so far. And you're bat flipping. Like you just won the, the fall classic. You know what I mean? Like it's becoming like Tatis and all these, and all these guys, all these hitters and Bauer on, on the mound, they're doing all of this in April and May and June, and it just becomes like it just seems like they're trying to force it. You know what I mean? They're trying to show how little they do care about the old school way. And for me, it's just like there's a point where you, you, like you're crossing the line a little bit, right? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, but you can't say any of this, Mike, online or anything like that because then you become old geezer baseball guy. Well, I think you have a point, but. Uh, to an extent, you know, if, if these rules are going to remain unwritten, then it's subject to the effect that everybody's got their line and everyone's line can be different because since they're unwritten rules, but they won't let everybody us. gets to decide where their line is. They and, won't let us just like, like Bauer and Tatis would, would say like to what I just said, Bauer and Tatis right. would say, that's not right. Like that's the old school way. Those days are over. They won't let you have a different opinion. You have to either be for that, or you have to be for Tony Larusso. There's no middle ground. Well, it seems like. Well, but uh, but I would say that even with some of those new school guys that do their thing, that you know are a lot more exuberant, I think that there still exists, you know, a little bit of respect, some unwritten uh, uh, policy, if you will. Like, you know, I've come around. It used to be that when I was growing up pitching, if you hit a home run off of me, then the next one, I'm not going to hit you, but it's going to come in your kitchen. I'm going to make you 
make sure that you don't think that you can just get around on anything you want on me. And I think that was fair. And I think other people thought it was fair. And now you've got people, like you said, bat flipping home runs in April. And I've come around to the line of thought that, you know what? Hitting the major league fastball or any major league pitch is about the hardest thing there is to do. So if you hit one 400 feet, good for you. And I don't mind if you celebrate it. Now, I think there's a difference between... Yeah, let's just not act like it's the World Series every time. Well, well, not even that. I say you can celebrate as much as you want, but there's a difference between, and I know you said we'll get to Ronald Acuna, which, you know, I'm a Phillies fan. Get to it. When he tortures my team. But but when he hits a home run and he celebrates, he's not pointing at my pitcher that he just hit a home run off of. He's not uh, jawing at fielders from my team around the bases. He's flipping his bat. He's pointing at his dugout. He's getting his guys riled up. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's a, a night and day difference between you staring down a pitcher or you pointing at a pitcher, you saying something to the other team after you do something versus you doing something great for your team and then celebrating right. with your team. Okay, so to get to the Ronald Acuna thing, I think most people listening to this will know what we're referring to when the Braves were playing the Phillies last week. Uh, I'm going to assume that you do. So, Mike, I would ask you first, Ronald Acuna's flair and the way he plays the game, did that have 0% to do with him getting hit by the Phillies? I I mean, it's it's hard for me to say. I'm not Come in the on. Phillies pitching room. Uh, well, th- well, that's the thing is he he got he, he got one run up inside on him at ninety six miles per hour. Correct, and it and it got him. It got him good. It was the second pitch of the at bat. The first one was also high in it. It was farther inside. Yeah, correct. Uh, you know, I, I will say that for the record, the pitch that hit him didn't even get into the right handed batter's box. Ronald Acuna does tend to have a uh, stride and a uh, uh, habit of throwing his hands out that puts his hands True. right where an inside fastball would be. I mean, that's a ball just barely inside if it doesn't hit him. Mm. Now, people that dig into the stats will see that the last time he faced Sam Coonrod, he hit one 11 billion feet. So, and there it is. You know, at that point, it's just up to it's up to the interpretation of the viewer. You know, do you, do you want to say that Coonrod was out for revenge no matter what, even though the Phillies notoriously don't play well on the road and they had a chance to win a game in Atlanta, a game that they could really afford to win, and he's going to put that at risk by hitting a guy in a tie game in the seventh inning? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, mean I'm with, may, I, I get that. I get well that. Be. People have their own personal vendettas to score, but I'm just saying that if I'm uh, Joe Girardi, the Phillies manager, if it's my guy taking in West, I directed him to do it. If my guy's taking that into his own account in a game that's that tight on the road against a rival in a tight game, you know, I'm going to have something to say. Like, why couldn't you do that in September when we're up or down by five runs? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing. If Sam Coonrod did this on his own, that, that to me, like, I'm not indicting all of, all of Philadelphia or all of the Phillies for it or, or even, like, any other play. But that moment, that pitch... Like, I think it was pretty clear he intended to hit, or at least he did not care if he was going to hit Ronald Acuna. No matter what happened in that at bat, the Philadelphia pitcher, Coonrod, was going to throw inside four consecutive times. And if it hit him, so be it. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like he's well, aiming for the head, but, but my, the hit by but pitch my, is not the worst result for him in his my mind. Other, my other argument would be, 
you know, we, we live in an era where you can pull up every pitch from every at bat in that series. Go and look where every single Phillies pitcher, and for that matter, most yep. other pitchers have thrown Acuna. In with that big stride, with that long stride, with the way he throws his hands, that's where you throw a guy. You throw it right under the knob. Freddie Freeman broke his wrist a couple of years ago and was out, what, almost two months with no malice intended because of the exact same thing, the way he threw his hands into that top upper uh, portion of the strike zone. Right. And that's where you get him out. You throw it right under the knob, and if you miss by two inches, under the knob becomes right off the wrist. Fair enough, fair so, enough. So, I mean, it very, mel- very well maybe the Coonrod had it in for him, but – I'm just saying that if he did, he had the perfect cover because right where he threw that ball is exactly where you want to throw Ronald McKinney Jr. Mike, am I a bad person for thinking that Atlanta Braves reliever Jacob Webb should have been more upset about getting shelled than hitting Kevin Pillar in the face? Uh, I mean... Does that make me a bad person? It's fair. It's, I mean, it's fair to say I'm a bad person I in that case, I think. Both. Uh, um, listen, I was pissed because he comes... Webb just gets lit up every time he goes out there. Somehow he makes a living playing baseball. And then this is the first sign of emotion we've seen. This is the first time he's upset is that he hit somebody in the face. You got to be upset that you're getting pissed on every night. Right. No, I I agree with that. Although I would also say that neither of us are qualified to know how bad to feel about hitting someone in the face because at my best, I could give you a bone bruise. Uh, Yeah, it would just ricochet right off. Whereas he pretty much exploded a man's (laughs) face. That's fair. So, that's fair. You know, I've hit people up before. I've hit people above the shoulders before, not intentionally, but I felt kind of bad. But A, got him in the helmet, and B, it was going like 82, not 97. Fair enough. Um, all right, we'll keep going with Mike Anthony here, talking some baseball, talking hardball, Mikey. Uh, first, I want to tell the people about John Carr Real Estate in Savannah. John Carr is selling houses left and right. Over $6 million worth of homes sold in the last calendar year, and he'd love the opportunity to help you buy or sell in the Savannah area today. If you are a Hot Grits podcast listener and you tell John Carr that that we sent you, that HGP sent you, he's going to give you a discount on listing fees, and he's going to help you out and hook you up with the house of your choice. 912-228-0916 or johncarrealty.com. You can also find him on Facebook. 912-228-0916 for John Carr Real Estate in Savannah. Uh, Mikey, have you ever gotten into a baseball scrum? You keep talking about how you've hit hit batters before. You ever gotten into a scrum? Um... Define scrum bench clearing. Um, or? Like no, I know like you've left the bench I mean, before. I know and, like you personally have seen me go chest to chest with a guy. Yeah, I saw in you in one of our games. It wasn't quite. I wouldn't call it a scrum. I don't think that guy wanted any part of it, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that was just like you saying whatever you wanted right in his face, and him doing very I, very little about it. I've uh, I've been ejected from two games in my life. Um, Ooh, I've <laughs> I had four guys. ejections. <laughs> I'm sure you're not surprised by that. No, I'm not surprised in the least by that. Man, I used to but, just uh, chirp uh, the umpire so I've much. Never, I don't think I've ever been in a scrum. Uh, I, I can say that, honestly, the closest I've ever been to an altercation in an uh, honest to God baseball game was with my very best friend in Little League. We, we, grew <laughs> up down the, yeah, we grew up down the street from each other. We were at each other's houses every day sleepovers all that you know having fun being kids shooting basketball but we were on different little league teams 
his team was the best all year, but we got into the championship game against him. We were tied in the last inning. I'm on first base, nobody out. He's playing shortstop. I'm on first. Ground ball to short. He goes to the bag, and I just ruined his entire universe. <laughs> Went in hands up, feet up, like straight up Chase Utley, Ruben Tejeda style. And my mom was mortified. Like, she wanted me to apologize. And I've talked to him, you know, since then. We're still good friends. And he's like, yeah, I would have done the same thing to you. Yeah, you have to. That was honestly the the most contact and the most vicious I've ever been on a baseball field was against my very best friend. Well, I'm super stoked that that you got that in in Little League. And your mom uh, deserved to be pissed at you. Oh, yeah. She didn't let me forget it. Yeah, I think that makes her a good mom. Um, all right, Mike. I actually made my friend go to my mom and say there were no hard feelings. <laughs> Listen, man, I need you to she call my I mom. Ruined the friendship, and I'm like, man, that's baseball. Yeah, no, that's actually strengthening the friendship. Is is what that's that right. is? That's bonding. I, you would have thought less of me if I hadn't tried to break his leg. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, uh, Mike, outside of baseball, you uh, you stoked for the PGA Championship this week at Kiowa Island? Any thoughts on oh, that? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, windy, windy course. Is- that's what they say. Well, you know, those sea, seashore uh, courses tend to have some wind. Um, what was it, about nine years ago they had it at QLS? Uh, yeah, it was McElroy 2013, question mark? Yeah, 2013. That, that sounds right. Yeah, it was 2013, Mac. I know uh, Georgia Southern alum Blake Adams, he was in the top ten that year. Wow. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He uh, had a tragic story. He qualified for the masters via the top 10 finish but he got hurt after that hasn't been able to play much since then so he never got that trip to augusta that's a shameless plug for a story coming out in uh this week's statesboro Herald. not sure if that'll be not sure if that'll be in the thursday issue or the saturday issue but it'll be there you can plug you can plug you don't have to be shameful about it but yeah uh yeah so kiowa great course gonna be tough uh you ever been I out there? Say, I mean, I have not been to Kiowa. I've been to Harbor Town. Have not been to Kiowa. So I actually went to Kiowa Island. Went to Kiowa um, two. It would have been let's see, twenty eighteen, three years ago now, um, and got to play nine holes. But this was before they kind of changed up the turf, and uh, and obviously I wasn't playing from the PGA Championship tees. But yeah, it's did, crazy. Did they see out. your golf game and disqualify you after nine <laughs> It was the best. Ball, it was the best ball, or? and you have uh, no. Uh, the girl I was seeing at the time, her her old man had a connection with a member somehow, some way. Um, but you have you have to play with a caddy out there, so uh, you're pretty much not losing balls, and the caddy keeps you keeps you moving the whole time. There you go. But it's it's a fun course. Listen, this is crazy to me. This stat here. This is the longest course in. In golf, it's almost major 8, 000, champ- isn't it? Yeah, yeah, seventy nine hundred yards, the longest in major championship history, any major championship ever. It's the longest of all time. So, wind, long course, that tells me big hitters. It's not going to be with you on every hole, so you're just begging for. I mean, oh man. So I guess you got to bet Deshanda, right? I mean, he would have to be one of the favorites, and he is right now. It's a guy who actually can hit par fours and two. (laughs) Well, there's dude. There's a lot of those guys now, though. Like, like, okay, the the top odds guys for this week, pretty much all long hitters: McElroy eleven to one, JT fourteen to one, Rom fourteen to one, Spieth sixteen to one, Deshambo sixteen to one, and DJ eighteen to one. So those are the top guys. Kepka's all the way down there at thirty-three to one. 
Um, and then I, I would, I guess maybe Patrick Reed, 35 to one is also a pretty, pretty long hitter. Um, and so this is where I would make the argument that, you know, for anyone who has anything to say about Tiger Woods, you can say whatever you want about his lifestyle, his moral shortcomings, whatever, like golf owes all of this excitement to Tiger Woods. Of course. Before he came along, the best golfers in the world were guys that showed up 45 minutes before their tee time, got loose, sank a couple putts, went out and played 18, then played about 18 more at the bar, then went to sleep. <laughs> and now you've got these guys who are workout machines. I mean, can, if no one would have taken Tiger's lead, he'd have, he'd have 30 majors. But the only reason he doesn't is because people took his cue and go to the gym and they practice a lot longer and they become these machines. And you can say it's ruining golf. I don't think it's ruining golf. I think that maybe you have to tone down some equipment stuff to, to make sure people aren't driving at 400 all the time. But these guys are, this was a game for jet setting country club folk and athletes took it over. Yeah. And I would argue that golf is in the best place that it's been ever period ever. Um, because you still I agree. Yeah. Yeah. What you have to do if you need the scores to be at a certain mark, like if you're offended by 20 under fine, do something to make the course a little tougher, but you can't be offended by the fact that it's obvious that for a hundred years, your sport was played by guys who just snuck in nine holes after the office closed. And all of a sudden in the last 20 years, athletes actually uh, cared to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to do a couple of picks, Mike. I, I know you're probably not prepared for this or have them listed in front of you, but uh, just just for the listeners. I, I find that's how my bets go best is when I'm woefully <laughs> unprepared. OK, uh, well, maybe maybe I'll, I'll give you my three and then you can give me three that, that you like and I'll tell you the odds for those three, if that makes sense. OK, okay sure. so my three, I'm going to go three tiers here, uh, like one of the one of the favorites, a middle ground and then a long shot. Um, right. Victor Hovland, 25 to one. Uh, that's my top tier guy. 25 right. to one is six, six best odds. Uh, 25 to one, Victor Hovland. Number two, I'm going to go Bubba Watson at 90 to one, 90 to one for a guy that hits at a quarter mile, uh, and shouldn't have any problem with the wind at Kiowa is good for me. 90 to one. That's the only reason I'm taking that with Bubba. Plus he's a UGA guy. All right, and then a long shot odd, Mike, which I, which I would just qualify as over a hundred, over a hundred to one. Um, I, I'm trying to decide between Aaron Wise one fifty to one and Cameron Champ one twenty five to one. I think I'm going to go Cameron Champ one twenty five to one. So I got because of the hair. Uh, no, because I interviewed him one time when he came to Savannah when he was on the Web.com tour. Um, and he called, I forget why or what question it was, he called beer suds. And I just thought that was great. <laughs> and so I've always liked him since then. So that's my picks, Mike. Hovland, 25 to 1. Watson, 90 to 1. Champ, 125 to 1. Uh, you got any picks? Uh, you said Hovland was the sixth best odds? Uh, six or seven, yeah, something like that. Yeah, who, who, do, you, do you have the chart in front of you? Yeah, yeah. Who, who's got, uh, who's one below him? One below Hovland. Yeah. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you like two in front, two behind Dustin Johnson, okay. 18 to one Xander Shoffley, 22 to one Hovland, 25 to one 
Daniel Berger, 30 to one. Colin Morikawa, 30 to one. Oh, man, that's two of my favorite picks every major you listed there. I almost, if not for that collapse on 16 at Augusta, I, we, we could have been doing this podcast from a nice steakhouse if uh, Shoffley wouldn't have. Uh, He's going to win a major. He, he will win a major. I know. Soon. He was my pick, and I had considerable money and considerable odds on him. Uh, so I'm never not going to take him. Like you said, he's going to win one. And, uh, uh, oh, man, what was the other name? Who, who was right behind him? So one. Daniel Berger, 30 not to 1. Collard, Berger. Yeah, Berger's going to win one, too. Berger, Maine, he's 30 to 1. That's not yeah, a bad I would pick. Take one of those, I would take one of those two, Shoffley or Berger. Okay. I'll go to Shoffley. Maybe he's got the hunger now. He, he's He's been good in majors. He's never been that close. I'm hoping that maybe that devastation – will kick him a step forward instead of a step back. Do you have any interest at all, Mike? Can I interest you at all in 1,000 to 1 for John Daly? Uh, no. All Fair enough. Our pants are about the same size. We don't have the same taste. Yeah, he's more of a bush light man, I, I would think. Yeah, I'm more refined. <laughs> of need, course. Uh, some dark mahogany bourbon suspenders and whatever Zubas he's wearing. Thanks for, thanks, thanks for that image there, Mikey. Um, mm-hmm. all right, you got anything else, man? Um, trying to think. Uh, nah, I could go on about La Russa forever, but no one wants to hear about that. Do mm-hmm. your own, do no your own research, people. Tony La Russa is a horrible person. He's a bad person, like he's objectively a bad person. Bad person. So, and, we, and you and I are objectively good people. We know that. Besides the Jacob Webb thing for me, hand up on that one but other than that i feel like i'm a pretty good person the only the only defense tony la Russa has for himself is that he couldn't have known that all of his players were sticking needles in their asses for that long <laughs> because he was asleep at the wheel at a red light the entire time while drunk and we will leave it right there